Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we have best-selling author of The Inflammation Spectrum, Dr. Will Cole. If that person has inflammation and they follow that eat less, move more approach, will they get their desired effect? No, they're gonna probably see some movement, but they're not going to see sustainable results. And they're, not, they're going to be invariably be stuck at a plateau because you're absolutely right. The functional medicine concept, something I talk about at length in both of the books is that weight loss resistance or weight gain is a symptom, not a cause. You have to get healthy to lose weight, not lose weight to get healthy. And whether it's leptin resistance, a hormonal resistance pattern, or insulin resistance, or thyroid resistance, or thyroid underconversion, I mean, there's so many different uh, potential dysfunctions as far as hormones are concerned that will be an impediment to your weight loss. So you have to deal with the underlying cause of why you have the weight loss resistance in the first place. This is just paramount for people to understand because people are spending their lives in a vicious cycle of fad diets and a vicious cycle of shaming themselves and feeling like they're not good enough and they're not doing enough and something's just adding up and they're disillusioned, they're disenfranchised and they're disheartened to what the heck could be going on and they look at other people around and they say, I'm doing all this stuff but I'm still struggling. This is my people. Those are my patients that I spend my life with uh, to try to deal with these underlying issues. But people don't know. People think if they just work out more and eat less, they're going to find sustainable weight loss. That will work for some people. But not when you have a hormonal resistance problem, not when you have an underlying gut problem, not when you have a brain hormonal axis or an autoimmune condition. It can be very difficult. I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hello, hello, Keto Campers. I'm excited to share Dr. Will Cole with you. Now, this is the second time he's been on the Keto Camp Podcast. He is the first guest to make a return for the second time. And I'm excited to share this episode because we talk all about his latest book, The Inflammation Spectrum. We're gonna dive deep into inflammation. What really is inflammation? How does it affect your health and your weight loss result? Some of the things you're gonna learn on this episode is the eat less, move more movement. Why counting calories will not work if you have inflammation. We're also gonna talk about the problems that occur, specifically when there's inflammation around your cells and what to do about it as well. Dr. Will Cole is gonna break down the key foods that he's seen cause the most inflammation in the body. We're gonna break down each one of these foods and if you could start to eliminate them, you're gonna see your body reduce inflammation and you're gonna feel better and look better. We're gonna explain the elimination diet and why that's a little bit different than what Dr. Will Cole teaches and how he promotes the elimination diet 
in his book, he has a unique way of, of doing it. We're going to talk about, and then we talk about inflammatory habits. This is actually my favorite part of the interview because he talks about things that a lot of people are not really aware of. They have these inflammatory habits that go on every single day and they're eating the right foods, they're exercising, but they have these other inflammatory habits and once you could identify them and remove it, the body will heal. We also get into the top labs for inflammation. These are the items on your lab report that you wanna request from your doctor to see what your inflammatory markers look like and then you'll have a good baseline once you start reducing that inflammation. You could go back and look at those markers and see what you've done in the body. We're gonna get deep into inflammation. I can't wait to share Dr. Will Cole with you. This interview was actually done in person in Miami Beach, Florida. Dr. Will Cole was here for a lecture um, at the Sacred Space in Miami, Florida, and we sat down. So the audio is amazing. The interview is amazing. The conversation is transformational. If you wanna watch the video version of this interview with Dr. Will Cole, that's posted on the Keto Camp YouTube channel over on youtube.com slash keto camp so you can go there and watch that as well. Be sure to check out the notes and resources of this podcast. We have Rachel who puts it all together for you so check out those links, check out those resources and check out the timestamps as well. Hey, this episode is sponsored by, speaking of inflammation, the world's healthiest olive oil which is going to reduce your inflammatory load. It is rich in polyphenols and antioxidants, and it tastes really damn good. So I use this olive oil for my dressings, for my dips, and even for cooking, because it's so rich in polyphenols that it protects it from the heat. This is the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. I get three bottles delivered to my door every single month. They are handpicked from four different regions all across the world, and they're freshly squeezed and pressed, put on a jet, after they put it in a bottle, of course, and they deliver it to my door. I gotta tell you that this is the best olive oil I have ever come across. I love this stuff. They're doing great work, and it's so convenient because I don't have to go and search and spend all this money on olive oil that really doesn't live up to the hype. I worked out a deal for Keto Campers to get a $39 bottle of the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club for one buck. That's right, you get a $39 bottle for one dollar. If you head over to ketocampoliveoil.com, that is camp with the K, ketocampoliveoil.com. You can claim that bottle for a buck. Be sure to take a screenshot of this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast with Dr. Will Cole and share it on your Instagram story or Instagram profile and tag me and Dr. Will Cole in that and I'll be sure to see that and share it back on my story. We'll get some other keto campers following you back. My Instagram handle is at thebenazadi, that is T-H-E-B-E-N-A-Z-A-D-I and Dr. Will Cole's Instagram handle is at Dr. Will Cole, D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E. Before I bring Dr. Will Cole on here, I want to briefly get to the Apple Podcast review of the day. This comes from Kristen Marketer. Quote, Ben makes health understandable and fun. Finally, a resource that is fun and easy to understand. Ben is connected to the top industry experts, and this is the go-to resource for all things health. I have learned how to master fasting, starve off cancer, and find real resources to help me get healthier. Hit subscribe, y'all, unquote. Kristen, I appreciate you so very much. Thank you for that review. Hey, if you could leave the show a rating and review right now, just hit pause, and it'll take a few seconds. It really makes a big difference for the reach of this show. Here at Keto Camp, we're on a mission to educate 
and inspire 1 billion people on planet Earth. And every review helps this goal possible. So please head to Apple Podcasts right now, leave a rating and review, and maybe I'll, re- I'll be reading yours very soon. Okay, I'm going to bring Will on for you. And uh, if you want to listen to the first episode we had, which was all about Ketotarian, his best-selling book on how to do keto, a plant-based keto lifestyle, that's episode five of the Keto Camp podcast. I'll put a link for that in the notes of this podcast. We talk about plant-based foods that detoxify the body, negative health effects of the vegan diet, and much, much more. We also talk about his history um, and everything you want to learn about how he got into what he's doing right now. So you can go listen to that episode because in this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast, we go right into the goods. So let's get into this episode now with Dr. Will Cole. Dr. Will Cole, welcome back to the Keto Camp Podcast, yeah, brother. So good to Thanks have you. Thanks for having me. I'm, I, you told me I'm the first second guest. Yeah. Or the first, You're the first repeat first person, guest. Yes, right. Yeah. So you were on episode three of the Keto Camp Podcast where we went deep into, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, Ketotarian, which is his first book. Amazing book. So we went deep into that. Mm-hmm. We went deep into your story. So if you're interested in that, go listen to that episode. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about the inflammation spectrum, which yeah. you teased on episode three. So you're the first <laughs> guest that has made the first return. Yes. And I'm happy it's you, man. Welcome back. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm pumped to talk to you. Yeah, I am too. And uh, we're going to get deep into inflammation this great book we have in front of me right now, yeah. and uh, how to not just inflammation and the problem, but some solutions. And I love this book, Will, because this book, The Inflammation Spectrum, it could be put into any dietary advice that you follow. So yeah. whether you're a vegan, paleo, keto, uh, whatever it is, you just apply the rules in here, and it's, yeah. and it's foolproof, like I said on my Instagram story yesterday. <laughs> it really you. is foolproof. Yeah. So before we get into some of the tips and tactics from the mm-hmm. book, I'd love to get into inflammation and why is it such a problem in this day and age yeah so i appreciate you saying that i think to back up a little bit on what you said is i didn't want it to be dogmatic as far as one way to eat i wanted to i wanted it to be applicable no matter if if you're plant more plant-based or more carnivorous or more paleo whatever it's about how can you find out what your body loves so you can find food peace because i think I've met many vegans and vegetarians and people that are in the keto community are still having symptoms and maybe the way they're doing keto or the way they're doing whatever way they're eating isn't working for them. So I appreciate you seeing that uh, and my heart on the, on the book on that matter. Uh, inflammation isn't inherently bad. It's a product of our immune system, right? So in balance, it's actually a good thing. It's, it, is, it fights viruses and bacteria, heals wounds. It's, it's essential for human existence. The problem is when inflammation is thrown out of balance. Uh, chronic inflammation is this sort of forest fire burning in perpetuity that is linked to just about every health problem under the sun. So heart disease, cancer, diabetes, all chronic inflammatory health problems, autoimmune conditions, chronic inflammatory health problems, digestive problems, fibromyalgia, to even the mental health space. When you look at anxiety and depression and fatigue, these are things that I see sadly in my clinic on an almost hourly basis, autoimmune conditions, gut issues, and brain health problems. Uh, The research now is pointing to what's referred to as the cytokine model of cognitive function and basically how is inflammation impacting how our brain works so you have to we cannot separate mental health from physical health mental health is physical health 
And that's something that I talk about in the book. And I've been talking about as we're talking about this book because it's so important. Because you look at the epidemic rise of mental health issues. You cannot ignore the inflammatory component. It is the elephant in the room. And the idea that we're separating mental health from physical health is a real problem uh, as far as the conversation culturally, but also as we're approaching it in the mainstream medicine. Yeah, it's a big problem. And especially with mental health, we see school shootings like we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, it's linked to inflammation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it could go, we could go down the list of what inflammation does to the body and, and the symptoms that occur. And I truly believe that the symptoms are not the problem. It's actually a good thing. It's showing you that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. And inflammation, it's a cause of that symptom. But what is causing the inflammation is the question. Mm-hmm. So I want you to describe, because there's a lot of people out there who still follow this approach of, hey, if I want to lose weight, which is extra weight is a symptom to me, if I want to lose weight, I just need to eat less and I need to move more. Mm-hmm. If that person has inflammation and they follow that eat less, move more approach, will they get their desired effect? No, they're going to probably see some movement, but they're not going to see sustainable results. And they're, not, they're going to be invariably be stuck at a plateau because you're absolutely right. The functional medicine concept, something I talk about at length in both of the books, is that weight loss resistance or weight gain is a symptom, not a cause. You have to get healthy to lose weight, not lose weight to get healthy. And whether it's leptin resistance, a hormonal resistance pattern, or insulin resistance, or thyroid resistance, or thyroid underconversion, I mean, there's so many different uh, potential dysfunctions as far as hormones are concerned that will be an impediment to your weight loss. So you have to deal with the underlying cause of why you have the weight loss resistance in the first place. This is just paramount for people to understand because people are spending their lives in a vicious cycle of fad diets and a vicious cycle of shaming themselves and feeling that they're not good enough and they're not doing enough and something's just adding up and they're disillusioned, they're disenfranchised and they're disheartened to what the heck could be going on and they look at other people around and they say well, I'm doing all this stuff but I'm still struggling those are my people those are the, my patients that I spend my life with uh, to try to deal with these underlying issues but people don't know people think if they just work out more and eat less they're going to find sustainable weight loss that will work for some people but not when you have a hormonal resistance problem, not when you have an underlying gut problem, not when you have a brain hormonal axis or an autoimmune condition. It can be very difficult. So that's definitely an important point. Yeah, I love I love the message, uh, and I'm totally aligned with your message. Mm-hmm. I, I'd love to talk about specifically cellular inflammation because mm-hmm. you talked about hormones. We have over 600 hormones. We have our fat-burning hormones. We have our fat storage hormones. When we have inflammation around our cells or on our cell membrane, that means our hormones, our fat-burning hormones, cannot get into the cell. Yeah. Because of the inflammation. Yeah. So what are some other things that what are some other problems that occur when somebody has this inflammation around their cells? What 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 are the problems that you've seen you've seen in your clinic? Well, I mean, we're made up of cells. So when you have, you look at a actual micro level of what we are, if you have cellular inflammation, the person is inflamed, whoever you're talking to. So it's going to impact depending on where that localized inflammation is, wherever that is going on, or if it's a systemic problem, it can impact every system of the body because we're made up of cells. And you it is paramount for people to understand that hormones are this sort of communication dance or uh, language of our body. 
and if the cells are blunted, the, if, the, if the receptor sites, which are like uh, sort of the receptors to that language, if that is resistant or resistant or blunted to that that language, there's no body talk. Your brain isn't speaking to your hormones, endocrine system, or your gut's not speaking to your brain. So this is the what I refer to in the book as sort of the eighth section of the inflammation spectrum is polyinflammation, the interconnectedness of our body. So that's all down to cellular inflammation, really. It's just impacting more than one system of the body. But it can trigger genetic problems because what's inside our cell is DNA. Uh, it can impact mitochondrial function because the mitochondria is being impaired because it's not basically the byproducts of, of energies not being able to be recycled out appropriately. Uh, so it's that rigidity, that oxidation, that inflammation of the cellular membrane is at really at the heart of all of these chronic health problems because we're made up of cells. So it is definitely important for people to see Yes, on a macro level, what's going on? Like, is it a hormonal problem or a brain problem? But what's going on on a micro level uh, and oftentimes has to do with cellular inflammation? Yeah, and what Will just said is if you could understand that and really just play that over again, it goes down to the cells. It mm -hmm. boils down to the cells. And yeah. if you don't fix the cell, you won't get well, as, as Dr. Pompa says all the time. Because mm -hmm. what you just said is hormones are uh, the language of the body, yeah. chemical messengers. So if your cell and, and are blunted, your cell receptor sites, it's like you screaming at me, Will, and I, I can't hear you, right? Yeah. It's like the message is not being received. Yeah. And all of a sudden, your DNA, your bad genes get turned on, and then a disease manifests, autoimmune manifests. And, and you talk about autoimmune a lot. In both books, mm -hmm. how there is 100 autoimmune diseases and 40 autoimmune diseases associated with it. And it all boils down to inflammation. So yeah. we know the problem. It's inflammation. It comes from all areas. Let's talk about some of the tactics you have in this book for <laughs> ways. Uh, well, first of all, the book is, like I said, a full bulletproof plan for getting your inflammation down. And I love it because you have different areas of choice. So before I get into some of the things that I have in my notes here, there is something that I saw in the book. It's a common theme, and that's the number of eights. Tell us about why, why do I see so many eights in this book? Where did that manifest from? Yeah. Uh, so it is not on accident. You know, it, it's seven, and I talk about this in the, a little bit in the book, but Seven is the number of completion in our universe, right? It is there's seven days of the week. A lot of our systems of our world revolves around the number seven. So eight, when you're looking at from a like numerology standpoint, or just sort of the, so I would say the metaphysical esoteric meaning of the number eight is moving beyond limitations. So that's what I want people to do when they read the book is to move beyond their limitation. And gain freedom and that's what moving beyond limitation is so it's finding food freedom life freedom to live the life you want to live and then i saw all the connections between this number eight and what we are talking about and the or of ethos of why we are even doing this like we want people to get this freedom and not be bound by poor health or poor energy or just disillusionment as what the heck they should be living and eating to feel good um so there are eight foods that we're having people to take a time away from to calm things down. Did you name those eight foods? Yeah. So there's the core four for people that score lower on the inflammation spectrum quiz. There are the grains, added sugar, high omega-6 oils like canola and vegetable oil, and dairy. 
And we talk all about the nuances of different types of grains. I'm not lumping all those things together. Uh, we definitely have a, a very uh, academic, <laughs> yet easy to understand conversation about the, the context of that. Uh, and then the beyond the core four, the eliminate track, and the ATE is the number eight in the book. It, you're doing the core four plus four or more. So it's those four plus nightshades, peppers, tomatoes, eggplants, goji berries, white potatoes, eggs, nuts and seeds, and legumes. Again, all, a lot of those are whole foods, real foods, nothing inherently wrong with them foods. But the, this is the, another heart of functional medicine is bio-individuality. Just because something's healthy doesn't necessarily mean it's right for you. And I see this on an hourly basis for the past 11 years consulting patients around the world with this stuff is that people will say, hey, I'm maybe good with five of those foods, but three of those foods are a problem for me. Some people do good with seven of those foods, but the eighth one's a problem. Some people have a problem with all eight. So I want people to, through the system in the book, to find out what their body loves and what their body hates so they can get that food piece, to get that clarity and discernment as to what actually works for them. Uh, so that's what the uh, different plans in the book that are based on a quiz score. So they take the inflammation spectrum quiz to kind of see where they're at on the inflammation spectrum. And then from there, all of this, like the way that I structured the book is all adapted from my approach to patients. So the quiz is adapted from questions that I ask patients and the whole system of the book is adapted from systems that I put patients on. So it's all based on clinical experience and research, obviously. Um, so yeah, that's what, it, what the food component of the book looks like. And then there's a toolbox consisting of specific foods to focus on based on the quiz score. So if your hormone system is higher, scored higher, then you have a, t a hormone toolbox with different adaptogens and different foods to focus on and so on and so forth for the gut and the brain and the hormones and the detox system and the musculoskeletal system, whatever we're talking about. So yeah, that's, that's what we're talking about. I really believe that if anybody follows the plan in this book, they do the quiz and they follow the steps, which I love how you congratulate them after they, <laughs> as the, after they complete a week. Yeah. Uh, if you follow this, you'll reduce inflammation. The, with certainty, yeah. I, I can tell you that because I've I've listened to the book on Audible as, as yeah. I told you, and I and I know that if somebody follows this book, they're going to mm -hmm. reduce inflammation. As and as we just said, when you reduce inflammation, you feel better. Yeah, the, the weight comes off as a side effect, right? Yeah. you may turn off those autoimmune genes. That's why I love this book. And it, there's a component in this book uh, that uh, an, an, an elimination diet, mm -hmm. but yours is different than the typical elimination diets out there. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So it's different in many ways. Now, the overarching thing is the elimination diet or an elimination diet is still the gold standard in clinical nutrition, functional medicine, in health and wellness, right? There's no lab that's going to supersede like that one-on-one -on -one relations, like experience and the person experimenting for themselves. You're not going to list that 100% for all people with labs. And we run food sensitivity labs for some people. I'm not a huge fan of them. I think it's more a sign of intestinal permeability and less to do with the foods and more to do with the immune system's overreaction to that food. Uh, so I prefer people to do it this way because at the beginning when you run food sensitivity labs on people, 
you're going to get tons of foods being back positive and you're going to think, what the heck? It adds to someone's stress and disordered yeah. eating and anxiety about like, why the heck is spinach and broccoli showing up on my food sensitivity yeah. test? It's not the spinach and broccoli necessarily. It's the body's overreaction to that. So you have to heal with a gut problem that's causing the overreaction in the first place. So that's a bigger conversation about food sensitivity testing. But people see these direct-to-consumer labs and online and then they're like i'm they're designing their whole diet off of a snapshot of a lab on a 7 a.m when you spit into a tube or whatever so that's a bigger conversation but that's not what the book's about the book's about finding out for yourself real life experience well, how do you feel let's calm things down and let's reintroduce and see what works but i find that a lot of times elimination diets are not properly formulated or they're not tailored to the individual and there's not enough discussion on what reintroduction looks like and how you do it properly and making it fun and engaging and interesting. So people aren't just like eating kale and bark for eight weeks. It's not very fun. So I wanted to make it delicious and interesting and engaging and tailored to the individual. Um, so, But the main difference with the elimination diet in the book or the elimination plan in the book is we're talking about non-food things. We are not just, it's not just about food. And you can be eating the perfect foods that work for your body, but if you're, you know, serving your body a big slice of stress every day, or if you're immersed in FOMO-inducing content on social media, plus the blue light impacting your circadian rhythm, that's going to be counterproductive. That's going to be an unintentional saboteur to all the good things you're eating at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So it's a lot of what we're talking about in the book are these non-food inflamers that are also impacting your health. And we, in our space, we oftentimes become so myopic because food is such a modulator of our health. Of course, you have to start with food, but that's not the only conversation. You have to look at stress and toxins and sleep and our social connection because all of those things as well impact health, impact inflammation. You know, actually, I'm glad that you brought this up because my favorite part of the book was the inflammatory habits that mm. you talked about, which is what you just said. You have eight of them. Uh, before I get to those eight, and I want to break down all, all of them yeah. on, right here on the podcast, you talked about FOMO <laughs> and then also JOMO, right? Yeah. Joy of missing out. Yeah. So be happy that you actually have quiet time to yourself. Yeah. And there is a quote that I use all the time that I heard from you, which is, you cannot hate a body, you cannot heal a body that you hate. Mm -hmm. Because we could give all the tools, eat keto, eat vegan, eat this, don't eat that. Mm -hmm. But if they don't have it in here... Yeah. then they're not going to heal like you just said. So my favorite part of the book, The Inflammation Spectrum, are these eight inflammatory habits. So we have sitting, screen time, monkey mind, toxin exposure, social media addiction, and lack of purpose. Mm. So let's briefly just break down all of them and yeah. what are some things they can do to improve these areas. Yeah, so uh, prolonged sitting, that one is just getting people moving because a lot of people are sedentary and that's, you know, that that. that you hear this on social media. I don't know how. There's studies to show that uh, smoking, uh, sitting is the new smoking, right? Uh, and I talk about that study in there. But, I mean, regardless, it's too, prolonged sitting is not good for the human body. So getting up, moving, and we give them practical things for people to get out in nature. We talk about forest bathing. We talk about just, you know, getting a standing desk for part of the day. And it's all these sort of tweaks that, are very powerful modulators for many people to start to calming that inflammation, getting their body in a state of 
rest, parasympathetic activity, like resting, digesting, anti-inflammatory mechanisms of the body because many people are stressed. So movements is a great way to induce that parasympathetic system. And um, toxin exposure, we talk about that. Uh, the, the cleaning products that people are using, uh, the products they're using on our skin. Our skin is our largest organ. It absorbs a lot of what we put on our skin, and it amazes me. The un, like people don't even question because of brilliant branding from the beauty industry, but they're not even questioning what they're putting on their body, the shampoo they're using, detergents, detergents, yeah, their dishwasher, you know, soap, all that stuff, um, and. Monkey mind is a Buddhist term, but it's basically this concept of racing mind. And I think the overstimulation of our culture with the amount of technology and just our fast-paced way of life is really adding to that monkey mind to an acute level. And we see this in all the sort of different levels of our society. People are having one massive problem of monkey mind which they are not centered they don't have present moment awareness they are really lacking awareness of even their body and the people around them because they're so immersed in technology before you move on yeah uh, how do you teach that to your children because i see that a lot you know it's very easy to give a kid an ipad and mm -hmm. it'll, it'll silence them so how do you communicate this message to your kids when it comes to monkey mind yeah well it has to be age appropriate and it has to be done in a place of grace and light and uh, lightness and not punitive not dogmatic not uh, just not being sort of a militaristic approach from a parent i don't think that's helpful and all kids are different so it's not even just being about age appropriate it's about knowing your kid's heart and shepherding their heart um and and really speaking on their level on a soul level um so i have two kids i have a 13 year old son and a 10 year old daughter uh they don't have an ipad they don't have a cell phone they don't have all the things that every one of their friends almost every one of their friends has uh and my kids are a complete piece with it and they they went through the sort of irritation a couple years ago when the friends started getting them like oh, i'm the only one without the cell phone i'm the only one without all this stuff and and i told them just because something's common doesn't necessarily mean it's normal and they quickly saw their friends become what they call zombies mm. and their friends are like they verbalize this is almost like dad they're like brainwashed they can't even look up and interact with people so they saw the the decline of their friends personalities and they're okay with it now they're, they're fine and they they're very well socialized they do all the sports and activities and read voraciously and all the stuff that human beings would have done for thousands of years but we're talking about a very short period of time that kids have now been and we all have been exposed to this stuff and it has amazing benefits for connecting people around the world. Wonderful. But kids do not have the same <laughs> checks and balances. And many times adults don't even have that. But kids definitely don't. And their brains are still forming. Like, give them a chance. Uh, so it's not dogmatic. They have an iPod, not like the ones that are connected to the internet, but just the little like nanos. So they listen to podcasts. They listen to music, good music. And they... Um, we have a TV, so that we watch TV's family. So it's not like we're Amish. <laughs> we're definitely not Amish, but we're just like taking a step back, having some balance in our life that I think is good. And we all have to as parents. This isn't about shaming parents. This is about finding a balance that works for you. But parents know 
intuitively this something's not right with that with what's going on right now but yet no one is doing anything about it and it's actually not that hard like we have we can do it parents have done this when they grew up but parents just need to have the bravery to, to say I don't like the way this is it. just because all the other kids are doing it doesn't mean that you have to do it. So that's my long winded answer of how I handle that with my kids. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, I don't have kids and, but I do aspire to have them and that's really helpful for me. Yeah. And not even to mention what EMFs are doing from that phone, from yeah, that there's iPad. There's so many reasons. So there's, there's so many reasons. So let's continue on with the eight inflammatory habits. So speaking of which social media addiction, but that's separate than monkey mind, right? Yeah. Well, it's one, it's all, I put it under the, umbrella of stress really it's all forms of stress Mm -hmm. but you can have monkey mind and not have social media addiction but i would say social media addiction will create monkey mind Mm -hmm. for people but it's all other problems too when it comes to blue light uh, impacting circadian rhythm and just the stress and anxiety that i find a lot of people in the throes of because the unhealthy relationship they have with technology again i'm not demonizing technology but it should have checks and balances in someone's life just like anything like too much of a lot of things that are good (laughs) isn't is out of balance so you just have to find a healthy balance that works for you so i had to talk about that in the book for sure yeah and and you're right we want to use that social media tool and not let it use us like right now we're live streaming we're getting this message out to the world yeah but we are also intentional with not letting it consume us and consume our lives or our family yeah. So that's an important message. Uh, and then this one's big right here because for the first 24 years of my life, this was me. Lack of a higher purpose. Mm. Could you talk about that? Yeah. So it's well documented that people that have some sort of connection with something greater than themselves live a longer, healthier life. There's many, many studies that show that. And it doesn't have to look like religion doesn't have to look like overt spirituality um but it should look like something greater than yourself even if it's a cause that you believe in or uh you know a group of people that you have a passion for that you want to help um it's it's that and for some people it is spirituality and for some people it is religion um so as long as it's it's done with the sort of uh heart of connectivity and grace and lightness i think it's a good thing and um it's powerful it's a powerful tool that people should be able to tap into as human beings it's their birthright and um many people in our secular culture are kind of divorced from that realization and it's not even on their radar and even in america which is you know generally a more religious or spiritual country it's our generation i think it's less than all than ever that we need to realize how can we use this uh you know higher calling to serve other people but also it's going to help our health at the same time so would you put in that category somebody who works a, a nine to five corporate job who hates their job would you put that into the category of somebody who lacks a higher yeah, yeah totally so it's like you either need to change your situation or change your relationship with that situation so if you can't change like not and I talked about I talk about this with patients all the time. It's not practical for most people to like, quit their job, mm-hmm. even though for some people that may be down the line where you need to plan ahead, and maybe that is something you do. And I see many of my patients do a career pivot, 
through getting their health in check and us dealing with all these components of what's keeping them back on a health level, then they go become a health coach or they go become that career that they always wanted to do but never had the courage to do so. So you've seen patients who you taught these health tools and they became a health coach and now they teach it on a monthly basis oh, that's so on cool. a monthly basis yeah it's really cool and people i wouldn't even expect like it would be like the random lawyer who's just like completely shifting their her career uh and suddenly i'm not even asking them to do that but they're just through getting better and getting healthier and us talking about stress and toxic relationships and sleep all this stuff they're like this is not sustainable for my life long term i need to have a come to jesus moment and see what i need to do to, to be healthy. Uh, and for some people, that's a career change. For some people, it's just changing their relationship with their job. I'm not going to have inner resistance towards my job anymore. I'm going to be a, a good steward to whatever the day brings to me and quit being a complainer about what I have in my life at this point. So it's, it's really cool to see the unfolding of what health uh, can do in someone's life. And how many patients have you worked with? Could you estimate? <laughs> thousands i don't know thousands but we we keep a good doctor to patient ratio we scale appropriately as far as health coaches are concerned to provide the one-on-one care it's so important and my day job isn't writing books it's consulting patients online so that integrity and that quality of care is of my first and foremost professional uh goal uh and focus on that so yeah it's i can't i don't have a number maybe we should have a number but i don't have a number yeah, it's yeah. thousands. It's been doing this for 10, 11 years. So. Let me just pause real quick. Uh, make sure this is still going here. Okay. Um, we have about 20 minutes. Okay. You good? Yeah. Okay. So out of all the tools in the health toolbox, there's mm-hmm. so many. There's so many out there. You, you talk about a lot. Which one is your favorite tool in that health toolbox? Why? And what's a practical step for somebody to take action on that today? Good question. So the toolbox as far as the quiz, after the quiz? Or? In, in general. Oh. Just the tools that we have out there. So we have keto, we have paleo, we have avoiding oh. these foods, elimination. Like what is your favorite tool to use mm. out of all the tools out there? Well, my favorite tool is some act of stillness that brings centeredness and present moment awareness in someone's life. Because I, to me, I think if you get, and you touched on this before, and we probably talked about it on the, on the first episode, but maybe not in the same way, you have to get your head and your heart right. You have to get that, that right because if you start realizing your intrinsic worth and like the valuable creation that you are, you're way more likely to make right food choices and to treat your body well and treat other people around you well. And using, like, people that see themselves as a Tesla, <laughs> I mean, if someone has a Tesla, they're parking it really carefully. They're take, doing all the things you need to do to take care of that Tesla. They're not treating it like a, a, a beat-up car. And many people see themselves as a beat-up car, and they're going through life like they're a beat-up car. But if you see yourself as a Tesla, how will that impact how you fuel yourself, whether it's electric for that, maybe that's a bad analogy, but (laughs) (laughs) if you have a high-end car, how are you going to fuel yourself? How are you going to go do the checkups appropriately? How are you going to drive it? You're going to be treating it with care and utmost respect, and people need to to realize that's who they are. Um, So I think that to me is the, uh, that is the genesis of sustainable wellness is realizing who you are. And you, like you said, you can't heal a body you hate and using self-care as a form of self-respect. Those to me is like the best tool. So what does that look like? That could look like mindfulness meditation. That could look like um, doing yoga. That could look like Qigong or Tai Chi. It could look like 
just turning off your phone and just you getting a glass of tea and using like tea as like a ceremonial act of mindfulness. It's bringing acts of centeredness into your life. So you're in tune with your body. So you know, I'm eating to fuel my body Mm -hmm. and I want to eat foods that make me feel good and avoiding foods that don't make you feel good. Isn't a punitive. It's not a diet. It's not becoming orthorexic. It's just saying, no, I love my body enough to feed it good things. And I like feeling good more than I miss that food. And that's sort of the paradigm shift that I'm having Hopefully for readers, I want them to have that paradigm shift in the inflammation spectrum because to me, that is the cornerstone of sustainable wellness. Yeah, and you you preach that message very well. And I know it's one of your favorite things to talk about, which is gratitude, which falls all in line Mm -hmm. with that. And that, if you look at the opposite of of doing that, all the things you just mentioned, being present, having a cup of tea, uh, performing some form of self-worth activity mm-hmm. when you lack that and I'll, I'll just go from experience i lacked that the first 24 years of my life so i was obese both physically and mentally and i was addicted to food and drugs i had a hole inside of me that i wanted to fill with food not because i was even hungry just because i felt mm-hmm. like i gotta just put something in my mouth and mm-hmm. i was stressed out I, I had a high anxiety social anxiety And I didn't practice any of those things that you were talking about until I started reading books from Wayne Dyer and Bob Proctor. And Mm -hmm. then I started implementing that. And all of a sudden, I'm getting healthier. I'm losing the weight because it starts on the inside. Everything external to us, it's not going to help us or hurt us. It's what's on the inside that counts. So Mm -hmm. I love that message that you preach. I am 100% aligned with it. And the thing about it is that it's so simple that people don't do it. Yeah. They think that it's woo-woo. They think that it's silly. Mm-hmm. But a perfect example that I give people, because I teach keto a lot, mm-hmm. I tell people, hey, if you're stressed out, it'll knock you out of ketosis. Cortisol goes up, glucose yeah. follows, ketones go down. So yeah. it's not woo-woo. It's actually what's happening in the body. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anything you wanted to add to that? No, I, yeah, you're right. It, I, in one of the sections in Keto Terry in my first book was, you know, what happens if you don't get ketosis? It is looking at stress. But you're right, that motivates some people sometimes for people. And even if they're not look, thinking of it as ketosis, what is stress doing to your hormones? You're right. It's absolutely not woo. It is completely just physiological. When you can measure that, just you look at the research of stress and inflammation and poor sleep and inflammation and all this stuff that we do in our life is constantly and dynamically instructing inflammatory cascades and in turn, our health or lack of it. So yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, I mean, I make it, maybe I make it sound esoteric or, like if, yeah, you know, spiritual, which it is a component to it. But if you just want to take it on a physiological level, take it on that level. It's going to impact your labs. It's going to impact how you feel. Speaking of labs, what are the top, like let's say somebody's listening to this right now and they think they are inflamed. Mm-hmm. What are some of the top labs for somebody to request inflammatory markers from their yeah. doctor to look at? Yeah, so these are labs that we run for patients around the world, like the more expanded labs, but... A lot of the basic labs you can get from your local doctor. You don't need a functional medicine doctor to run it. So high sensitivity C-reactive protein, we want it under one in functional medicine. Higher levels are associated with inflammation problems. The American Heart Association, the CDC, you'll see on like the guidelines for for HSCRP. Uh, they'll look at like low, high, average, and high relative risk for a cardiovascular event. We actually want it in the same range that the HA and the CDC want, which is under one uh, for HSCRP. Homocysteine is an inflammatory marker that we in functional medicine want under a seven. Above seven has been shown to increase blood-brain barrier 
permeability, increased blood-brain barrier permeability, uh, or what acts as almost like a neurotoxin and is associated with in, uh, leaky brain syndrome is really what they refer to it. As someone with leaky gut syndrome, they have leaky brain. Uh, and above 10.4 or 11, depending on what you're looking at study-wise and lab-wise, they're looking at it from an increased risk from a cardiovascular risk factor too, homocysteine. Um, and that has to do with methylation, and we talk about the different gene SNPs in the book too, like MTHFR and other ones like it. Um, and ferritin, which is a biomarker to gauge restored iron, but higher levels of ferritin are associated uh, as with inflammation as well. So people can have what's referred to as the anemia of chronic inflammation, or it's considered an acute phase reactant. So we definitely are looking at that too. Those are some basic tests. And then in functional medicine, we're looking at gut-centric inflammation too, like calprotectin and lysozyme, lactoverin, uh, and like gut health tests and looking at gut-centric inflammation, which inflammation is a product of our immune system. 75% of the immune system is in the gut. So there's a lot of gut-centric inflammation going on for people. Uh, not everybody, but a, a lot of people. And um, looking at those gene SNPs that I mentioned and looking at cross-reactivity to certain foods. So those, those are some labs, but the CRP, homocysteine, ferritin, to me are like the basic inflammation test that you can get from your local doctor. For, for ferritin, the stored iron, which patients that you have, which patients come in that typically have high amounts of ferritin for you? Well, anybody that is going through an inflammatory health problem could have high ferritin. But it's only one way to gauge inflammation. So it's interesting that you can see people that have, it's so obvious, they have inflammation going on in their body. They're going through an autoimmune flare or they're going through a GI flare up or they're in like horrible amounts of pain. Like you know they're having inflammation. But you run those labs, those inflammation labs, you're not going to necessarily see all of those spike. So it's not the totality of inflammation. They are just easy ways and many of them low-cost ways for us to gauge what we know in science to be ways to gauge inflammation. But it's like HSCRP is a surrogate lab for interleukin-6, which is another inflammatory marker that is associated with these health problems. But you can have normal HSCRP, but obviously be in high states of inflammation. Maybe their gut-centric markers are high. Maybe their calprotectin is higher. They're, that's obvious sort of in a gut immune response down there. So ferritin is another perfect example of that. You could have normal ferritin but still be in the state of inflammation. But people that we do see spiked ferritin levels are going through different various forms of inflammation. It could be a gut problem, like an overt GI flare, but maybe not. We see a lot of like insulin-resistant people that have high ferritin too. Uh, they're in pattern B on the NMR test. We're looking at the subfractionation of the lipids. And we see high ferritin, but normal iron. So they don't, they don't have like a high iron overload. They're not having hemochromatosis or anything like that, primary or secondary. But they have uh, spiked ferritin levels. So that is one way to, to kind of put that in context with the total health. Which uh, that's another maybe important point too, is that you don't want to hang your hat on one lab. Mm -hmm. You want to put it in context with a lot of other labs around it. You want to put it in context with the health history and actually talking to the person. Yeah, and also you want to look at the functional range, not the standard reference range. Could you talk about that? Yeah, so the lab's reference range are largely based on a statistical bell curve average of people who go to that lab or just a general population of people. They're not looking at optimal health. That's not what the labs are looking at in most cases. So you're going to have to 
look at the functional range. That's where functional medicine gets its range. So the Institute for Functional Medicine, IFM, that's who's you know, trained me and my team, uh, that trained the doctors at the Cleveland Clinic's Functional Medicine Center. That is what we're looking at, optimal vibrant wellness, not just the average of people who go to labs, which aren't the healthiest bunch of people, sadly. So if you take people with health problems out of that reference range, what's left? It's vibrant wellness. That's the functional range, where your body is functioning the best, where your body is optimal. So that applies to HSCRP, that applies to homocysteine, that applies to ferritin, that applies to thyroid markers, that applies to lipid markers, that applies to blood sugar markers, that applies to all the things that you could think about when it comes to labs. We want to look at optimal health, not just labs, uh, not just the labs reference range. We look at the labs reference range too. We have to put it in context because if something's out of their range, something's really off. But there's a lot of gray area where they're normal, quote unquote, for the lab but they are not optimal. Again, just because something's common doesn't necessarily mean it's normal. Just because something's common doesn't necessarily mean it's optimal. So, yeah. Yeah, great point. I, I love it. So there are pieces to the puzzle that you want a practitioner to look at and help put it together for you. Mm-hmm. Just checking the clock here. Okay, I have three final questions for you. Sure. Uh, this is a new question I want to ask you, and that is, when was the last time that you were nervous, that you got nervous? Because you're mm. making a lot of moves, you're out there. <laughs> when was the last time you were nervous? Mm. I get nervous every time I speak at a, an event. I can't remember the last time I was nervous, but prob- I spoke at Grand, Ca- at Grand Cayman at the at a health event last couple weeks ago. I was nervous for that. Like I was nervous for the first night, but not overtly, not really nervous. I love what I do. I love speaking what I I know what I'm talking about. I I love what I do. It's just my passion and my heart and my day job's talking to people going through this stuff. So it's not like I'm like just thinking about it from an academic standpoint or just like this theoretical standpoint. No, I actually see people going through this stuff and I see them getting better. So it's like all the opinions don't really mean much to me because (laughs) I see this stuff really works, work in people's lives. So yeah, I don't get really super nervous on stuff. Do you have a a pre-talk ritual? I pray to God. Yep. And just want to be a channel for good things, Holy Spirit in, in the in the world. So um, so that's what I do. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Next question is, what's the most exciting thing that you're working on right now? Uh, patience. Pa- ex- I would say my 2020 is going to be really just making the patient care the even better than it is now. And it's really good now. But we, we recently launched an online group class to get to lower the overhead, to make it more accessible and affordable to people. And I want functional medicine to be that and democratize it for people. So that's what I'm going to be working on in 2020. I will do the, I'm still doing the one-on-one consults. That's not going to change. So that's like nine to five, nine to six, actually. I will consult patients one-on-one. But in the evenings after that, once a month, we're going to hold these online group classes. So I'm pumped about that. And, uh, I'm sure <laughs> I'm going to be working on writing another book over 2020. It's not going to be probably out in 2020 because it's, I don't know if you heard about this or not, but it's an election year. So I think I'll let that pass. <laughs> I think yeah. I'll let the election pass, let that noise calm down. And I'll probably have something, a book out in 2021, but it'll give me a whole year to work on it, which I'm pumped about that. And we, I co-host Goop Fellas, which it's the my podcast with Goop. Every Wednesday there's a new episode. So I'll be doing Goop Fellas too. Yeah, explain Goop Fellas a little bit. Yeah, so Goop is Gwyneth Paltrow's wellness brand, and uh, Gwyneth and Elise 
host the main podcast. And then they asked uh, Seamus Mullen, who's a friend of mine, and I uh, and I knew Seamus separately. I think Gwyneth was a common friend, uh, and we they said, do you want to do the the, pod, the spinoff podcast? So I said, yeah, that'll be fun. So every week we're talking to like different people and that are just doing really cool things in their space and talking about marriage and health and relationship and mental health. I mean, so many wide variety of topics. It's not just a health podcast, but it's just about life, which is, part, you know, it's it's all about how we approach life. So it's different iterations of wellness. But yeah, Goop Fellas. Go listen to Goop Fellas. Thanks. What was your favorite part about writing this book? Um, it was the, my favorite part of writing the book was getting the ethos stuff interwoven throughout all the clinical nutrition stuff. So like the clinical nutrition stuff and the health stuff, like that's super important. So I wanted to make that solid and sound and make sense and not be confusing. And that took a long time. That This book took me two years to write. So like I had to get all that down. But I loved after that was done to sort of bring in the balancing aspects of like, why are you doing this? And really setting the person up for success, I think is, was my favorite part of just giving, like you said, like congratulating them after like a week, like that type of stuff, or just giving them like the mantras in the book or giving them the ethos of why, like all of that stuff that I love talking about, because that is what makes sustainable wellness. So that was my favorite part of the book. It really feels like somebody, if they read or listen to this book, they're like kind of hiring you <laughs> as like a, a GPS guide. You're with them yeah. every week. You're congratulating them. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. I recommend the Audible version because that's yeah. the, that's where I listened to it. Yeah. And you read it. Which I read it. I'm very impressed with because yeah. that's an entire process it in is. itself. And it's a big book too. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny. They said, oh, this will normally like take a week. I somehow got it done in two days. I don't wow. know how I got it done in two days. But my throat was killing me after that for sure. But it's – I enjoyed it. I didn't read Ketotarian's Audible. And people were irritated. They were annoyed with me. They're like, "Why didn't you read the book for Keto Terry?" And the public—it wasn't me. The publishers wanted to this this professional reader to do it. But I always like when the author reads. Their me books. too. Yeah. Me too. I think that's the way it should be. So the inflammation spectrum. I read it. Yes. Final yeah. question for you. Him. What are you most grateful for at this very moment? Um, I'm grateful for all the awesome things I get to do in my life. I get to really love what I do, and I get to do it with people that I really um, like doing life with my team and I'm thankful for my family being a part of this whole thing too. Well, Will, I'm thankful for you. You are Thank the you. first guest to make a repeat <laughs> and I'll have you on again and again and again. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I really admired your, your work. Your message is you're very smart. Obviously, you know, the functional stuff, you know about health, but what I love about you is you talk about the inside. You talk mm -hmm. about what's going on and what's manifesting on the inside, which I believe is more important than everything on the outside. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank you and congratulate you for Thanks, the man. success of these two books and just always showing up in this Thanks. world, man. And I thank really you. appreciate you. And thank you for the interview today. I really yeah. appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, appreciate man. You. A lot of fun. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I had a blast sitting down with the amazing Dr. Will Cole. Go get his book. Go check him out on Instagram. Reminder to tag both of us on Instagram. Take a screenshot of this and I'll be sure to share that on my story when I see it and I'll get some other keto campers following you back. My Instagram handle is at thebenazadi, T-H-E-B-E-N-A-Z-A-D-I and Dr. Will Cole's handle is at Dr. Will Cole, D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E. Reminder, if you want to watch the video version of this, it was such a 
great interview. It was professionally done with amazing videographers who've got it all together for us. So you could go to over to youtube.com slash ketocamp and you can see that video with Dr. Will Cole and myself. Share this with a friend. Share it with somebody who has high inflammatory markers, high inflammation. This will make a big difference for them. And a reminder, please leave the show a rating and review if you haven't done so already. It really helps out big time. If you'd like to get a free 12-page ebook all about keto and fasting, you can head over to ketokickstartguide.com. I have a free 12-page ebook. It also has some meal plans. It has a breakdown of clean keto versus dirty keto and so much more. Head over to ketokickstartguide.com. Go claim that for free. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this entire episode through with Dr. Will Cole and myself. I appreciate you. I'm so grateful out of all the podcasts out there. You chose this one and you'll hear me on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.